Hey, good evening, and welcome to the Uptown Parlay Podcast. Now your host, Ace. Welcome what to I- the Uptown Parlay Podcast. Ace Moose. Yo. No, so what I was what I was saying is before when I was first when I was doing uh, the other podcast that I do, um, I'm not going to plug it because it's not like we're paying for you. Um, I don't care. But when, when I was doing the the Cash Poly podcast, um, while doing that, I was looking for additional ways to make revenue and to connect mm-hmm. with the fans, right? Mm-hmm. And because you know we were sending our email address and everything, nobody was emailing us, and you know we had our Facebook and Instagram and so on and so forth. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, well, how can we connect with our fans in a different way? Because we had people that were watching that were paying attention, but. <clears throat> It wasn't coming through like the regular channels. Like they were just downloading the podcast. They would, they were, they, what it was was they were telling my co-host, Justin, mm-hmm. they would legitimately like they would see him when they saw him in the street and they'd be like, yo, that show was really dope. And I'd be like, why aren't you interacting with us like interactively? You know, yeah, so I started yeah. up trying to, trying to figure out ways that we could interact with our fans. And so I had heard about Patreon and I was like, well, Patreon feels more, is more like a, Pay to play type of yeah. service where you like offer exclusive content. And I was like, I don't really necessarily want that. I want something where people can come, they can listen to our stuff, but they can also like like chat us, like live chat us, like a mm-hmm. Slack channel or something like that. Like you so heard about, yeah. So then I heard about then somebody somebody mentioned like OnlyFans, and I was like, what is that? I had no idea what it was. So I went and checked it out, and when I checked it out. I was like, oh, at the time, the majority of people that I saw, because you could sign up for free, right? So the majority of people that you see were just like workout people. It was, it was not, it was like workout people. It wasn't all x-rays. Yeah, it wasn't all x-rays. It was just a bunch of regular people. And then eventually, you know, I started like looking into it because I created a page for for the podcast. I created a whole page. And I was like, okay, the page, because creating a page was free too, right? So I was like, for the holidays, check out the uh, Cash Poly it's, podcast. It's, it's been deleted. It's been deleted. Oh, it's been I was about to make you a millionaire. No, because that's what I said. It was free, it was free to create a page. And I was like, okay, so now we got to put content on there. Well, what kind of content should I put up there? What kind of content does people put on there? And that's when I started doing the gigging. And I started reading. And I was like, oh, 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 oh this like, is the type hey, of stuff yo. you got to put up there. I said, okay. Because I was like, because there were some people, you know, you can, I don't know how much time you spent on it right i haven't spent much time on it but in the mm-hmm. time that i did spend on it like there's some people you can you can like subscribe to them for free like you don't have to pay anything to subscribe i know ashley larry's on there but and once I you subscribe to them then there. but what i was saying was um there's people there that have content that you can subscribe to for free yeah and then they have content that you pay for and then there's the flip side of that is that people that you pay to subscribe to them and then they give you a little bit of content, but then if you want additional content, you got to pay for that too. So it's paid. So I was like, okay, so, yeah. So this is a cash grab. So like, on top of the fact that I pay for the, you know, I pay to be a subscriber of, gotcha. you know, so you're getting however so much like, per month for me. It's like paying for cable, and then you're gonna charge me to watch movies, right? Before they come out, right as they come out of the theaters. Right. So to me, that fun, that model didn't make sense to me thinking about it from our show. So that's why I did with our page. But we get on Facebook once. Yeah, like, yeah. So that's why I like started just doing like maybe just a YouTube streaming or something like that. And then, you know, tell people that you're streaming on YouTube or IT. I, as IG Live, yeah, IG Live was a thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I started using YouTube and IG Live and stuff like that for our shows. So, 
Um, yeah, that's my only fan story. Yeah. Okay. Well, I still have an account. I've been in a while. I'll go and check and see. If All so right. that's my only fan story. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We, so there's some NFL news that I want to talk about, which is the Sean McDermott news, if uh, some of our listeners haven't or have not heard. He told a story regarding the 9-11 hijackers. Uh, we were discussing that just before we started recording. We were talking about how they came together for a common goal. And this has been verified by several other players and reported on by a guy who used to report for a couple of different teams. But he's had to go independent because, you know, nobody really wants to pay for good reporting. So if you have 999, you can... Uh, Check him out. He is uh, on not Patreon. He is on. Um, oh man, I'm trying to think of that website. He where you can subscribe directly to somebody's writing. Substack. He is on Substack, and you can find that story on Twitter. And he was the first one to report it. And ESPN has been citing him as a source. And he has a couple more articles on there which are very interesting. And yeah. He's probably the reason why the Bills are tanking this year. It's kind of nuts. That, along with David Tepper, who basically had Frank Reich working with a bunch of different people that on the offense that he didn't want to hire. And they're the ones that have been ratting on him to the head, to the owner, which is why Frank Reich is no longer there. So it's going to be real interesting if uh, the Panthers are trying to get Ben Johnson again, who turned down the job last year. He's from Carolina. So we will see. Along with the fact of uh, Ant's guy, quarterback extraordinaire, Zach Wilson, is going to start for the Jets on Saturday, on Sunday, against the Texans, but really, really would rather not have to do that because he knows that they do not really want him to be the future of the franchise. But he's going to go out there anyway with kind of sorry love and try to do what he can to get them a couple of dubs. What do you well, think about that? Do you think it's wrong that he doesn't want to go back out there? I think it's wrong that he doesn't want to play, right? Without some kind of like it, it, it gives almost gives me the air of, you know, he feels like he's a lame duck, you know. Like here's the thing: he already knows that the starting quarterback on the Jets is Aaron Rodgers. It is not him. Um, and he already knows that the opportunity for him to remain a Jet for the rest of his NFL career, or even just for the foreseeable future, lies in, you know, him being a backup to Aaron Rodgers. And that's it, right? So, to not want to play now, so when Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, he goes out there, he plays, he stinks up the joint, the Jets lose a lot, lose a ton of games, he gets blamed for it for, you know, a vast majority of it in addition to Hackett and everybody else. Um, but the situation hasn't changed. Hackett's You're one only, of the worst coordinators ever. But what I'm saying is for, 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 for Wilson here, your situation is exactly the same. You're only playing because, you're only playing because Aaron Rodgers is hurt. And you're only not playing because you haven't been good. If you were good, you'd still be playing. Nobody would have pulled you. <laughs> you know, like you would still be, you'd be the starting quarterback for the New York Jets by default because of the fact that Aaron Rodgers is hurt. So, yeah. realistically speaking, 
if you don't want to play now, what's changed? That's what would be my question to him. Yeah, that's fair. So my question is, my question to Zach Wilson would be, if you don't want to play now, my question to him is, well, what's changed? Right? Nothing has changed. Your situation is exactly the same as it was 10 weeks ago, 13 weeks ago when Aaron Rodgers went down. You're the starting quarterback for the foreseeable future until Aaron Rodgers comes back. And play well and you'll continue to be starting. And he says you haven't, you won't. And so, like, you know, to him, for him to not want to play now just doesn't make any sense to me because it can't get much worse. It really can't. And nothing's changed. And if he happens to win a game or two out of the last five, then he can become a backup quarterback and ride this out for another five more years, make a couple million more bucks. Exactly. 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 Right. He, what are your options? Your options are played out, you know, and remain a backup quarterback for the Jets or not, right? Play it out, win a couple of games, see if you see how well you do. And then maybe you can, um, Maybe you can, you know, make make a couple of things happen and, and get yourself traded or whatever. Go to another team because I'm sure there's plenty of teams that need quarterbacks, as we can see in week week 14. Like it's like 12 or 13 quarterbacks, 12 or 13 teams that are starting backup quarterbacks this week. This this week, yeah. Okay. So it's not like there's not there's not a, a wealthy a wealth of corner of quarterbacks or a wealth of teams that need quarterback help. Um. So, you know, play this out, figure it out, and, or you know, and, and you play it or you don't. And, uh, yeah, good luck buying a team next year because you know, you're going to be labeled a quitter. If Blake you Bortles know? is still in, was still in the NFL and Sanchez after what they did and Matt Barkley, who was still in the league and, uh, Colt McCoy, who was starting last year towards the end for Arizona. So they finally got cut. I didn't know he's still in the league until that happened. Zach Wilson has hope. Zach Wilson's got a shot. You know what I'm saying? It's very, very possible for him to stick around long enough to, at least get a couple of Bortles seasons and, you know, make some bread and actually improve as a QB. If he actually does the work and he has the athleticism and the physical ability, I think he just needs to be in a better system with a coach who knows how to use him better. And he hasn't had an offensive system that's really worked, honestly. And I say the same thing for Justin Fields and the Bears because he's a good passer. It's just this is the best year that they've had in terms of the offense actually moving all in the same direction between the receivers, the running backs, and everybody else. But yeah, but you, you know, you know the differences between between Zach Wilson and the and and Zach Wilson and Justin Fields. Well, I I do see the correlation. Drafted the same year, by the way. Yeah, but the parallel is that Justin Fields keeps going out there. He keeps yeah. Going out there, he keeps he keeps fighting for the opportunity. He he keeps you know cutting out there despite all the conversations that are happening around him. Zach Wilson seems to be impacted or affected emotionally or whatever by all of the negativity that's coming his way because the team is not winning and he's not playing well. And so you'll never hear you know Justin Fields say I don't want to play. You know what I mean? Like, that's just not going to happen. I don't, well, at least I don't expect it. So the fact that, like, this is happening with Zach Wilson is what I question him as a, as a competitor, as an athlete, when you say you don't want to play. Yeah. And speaking of competition, there's something that we didn't talk about last time, which was the NBA Cup, which we said we were going to get into. 
because my father swears up and down, if you listen to the last episode, all y'all out there, that nobody cares, nobody pays attention. But I'd like to point out the TV ratings for the first couple of rounds are back. The TV ratings for the NBA and the NBA Cup in-season tournament are up 93% year over year. So it may have been a gimmick, but people are paying attention. And it helps that the Lakers are one of the you know favorite teams out West and even globally. And Bron's right. one of the most famous NBA players in the world, if not the most famous NBA player in the world. And people is paying attention, man. He was hooping. He put the beat him down on the Pelicans. I did not expect them to uh, cover as easily as they did to beat him by 40 points. I thought Zion was going to show up and do something, but he has had a pretty disappointing career up until this point in terms of expectations. Although, he's playing better this year than one young, I'll say that. Have you been watching well, those games? The, um, yeah, the interesting tournament, I've definitely been watching those games. Um, <clears throat> my favorite player to watch in the NBA right now, I wish you, I mean, outside of, you know, anybody that plays for the Knicks, um, is, is Tyrese Halliburton. And so everything that he's doing right now has been special and, uh, been fun to watch over the course of, you know, this, this, so this whole thing. They haven't lost, right? The cool thing is like, the cool thing about this to me is that it seems that the players are taking this seriously. Yeah. Like the players seem to want this. Um, and I think, yeah, and I did mention this during one of our, um, shout outs when we were doing our shout outs at the end of one of our shows, like that, you know, teams were being encouraged to like run the score up during the, um, during the group stage yeah. because you needed to have a higher point differential. That's the reason That's how the Knicks got make it in. Yeah. With a higher point differential than your opponents, even though you have the same record. So, you know, I think that there's, there's intrigue. Players are into it. Um, my hopes, maybe, maybe this is something. My my only concerns or my only, you know, kind of disappointment about this. One was the courts. I think the courts are horrendous. Um, but two, I understood why they did the courts. They wanted to, they wanted to make the in season tournament feel different. So when you were watching an in season tournament game, it felt different than a regular, normal regular season game. So I got it. I just think you need to do something else. Just make all the courts the same color, like make all the courts black with the, tr- the trophy and stuff, or something, you know, something, something That actually fun. would look better. It would probably look better on TV, too. Yeah. Um, the other thing was um, the timing of this, you know, there was some comments about, you know, if you're, like the Knicks, for instance, just using them as the example, right? They had to play the Bucks. They played the Bucks. You know, aside from their regular season game, right? They had one rec- one in-season tournament game against the Bucks. They had the Bucks four times on their schedule. One of which being one of those regular season, those in-season tournament games. Well, the fact that they made it to the knockout stages means that they had to play the Bucks again in the knockout rounds. So they've had to play the Bucks five times, and will they by the end of the season they will have played the Bucks five times, and all five of those games will have counted against their regular season record. When yeah. there was no NCAA tournament, they would have only played them four times. I get that. I just, I, my feeling on it is, I, I think, you know, the enjoyment of, you know, watching, watching competition, as long as the players are into it, I'm fine with it. Once the players show less, less interest or less, uh, you know, a, a less willingness to like, to really compete, 
then I'll probably check out of it. Um, the way that I normally check out a basketball game before, before Christmas. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's been fun. It's been, it's been fun. It's been enjoyable. Um, and I'm looking forward to the championship game. I think it was smart for them to put this together the way that they did because people were asking me, were they going to have multiple season tournaments? And I really think that they were just trying to capture more of the attention as college football faded away and the NFL mm-hmm. is getting into, you know, the playoff run. And they were like, everybody's team is clearly out of the playoffs or unlikely to make it. You can pay right. attention to the NBA team. And I don't know how confident these Saints fans are feeling, but, you know, they Pelican fans too and Zion's back and finally balling. You had some to root for. You know? Yeah, I mean, and they were smart enough to put the games on Tuesdays and Fridays. They would have the game played on those days because obviously exactly. those are not college football game days. They're not NFL game days. So you could, you know, tune in. It gave you something to watch that was like a, that was more than just a random, you know, game between like Houston and New Orleans. Like nobody's watching that game, but because it's got a little bit of stakes tied to it, maybe people, maybe more people will pay attention to see what happens, you know, and they did, you know. I will say this, that Thursday game surprised me because Bailey Zappi, I will, we're going to jump around a little bit this episode, but Bailey Zappi with the Pats really showed up. And I'm surprised because Pittsburgh defense has been carrying them through most of it. And Trubisky didn't play so bad. He was able to run for one and throw for one. And I thought that's all it was going to take to beat the Pats, considering how anemic their offense had been. But my man got two touchdown passes and a, you know, and a rushing one from Zeke. And that carried him through. So Belichick may not be done just yet. He is trying to get well, that record. So, had we picked this game, I would have. You know, we normally don't pick the Thursday game because we normally are recording our yeah. recording on Thursday. But had we picked the game, I would have picked New England just because I didn't feel comfortable. I do not feel comfortable giving six points. The Pittsburgh Steelers giving six points to anybody. Anymore. This was a, it was the same line. That's true. As the Arizona game last week, and they lost that game. They found a way to lose that game, and Arizona's. Probably a better team than New England, even though New England, I would say New England has a better defense um, than Arizona. But laying six points when there's really just no, there's no, there's no like fluidity, there's no continuity to Pittsburgh's offense. They just seem to be out of sync. Even with Pickett, if Pickett was there, like it wouldn't even have mattered. Like right? it doesn't seem to matter right now. I just think they're they're so out of sync that if there's a line. If the line's above two and a half, I'm probably going to go the other way if I'm picking a Pittsburgh game. Just because I don't expect them to win games by more than, you know, more than a field goal. I honestly. will say this. I feel bad for everybody who took the under because nobody expected even that much offense on either of those yeah. teams. That was the a surprise. Right. Because the overrun in that game was 30. Yeah. And I think in some books it was 29. So I was like... People were basically saying, yeah, it's going to end 16-3. That was basically what people thought it was going to be. But the fact that both teams hit, you know, what was it, 21-18, I think it was the final mm-hmm. score. Yeah. yeah. So the fact that, the fact that you know, but that's crazy, right? The line was, the line was 30. 21-18 is 38. No, 20-39. It still wasn't a big game. It, was, it was, still wasn't a big high-scoring game. It was just came in higher than that. 39 points is still what this would still be the second lowest under third yeah. lowest under. It would be 39, but it would be 
for those two teams would be way better than average. Right, it's impressive, right? It's impressive that they they finished. They got 39 points between the two of them. Yeah. Hilarious. But everything's a trend until it isn't, as I like to say. All right. Exactly. We're going to get into these games. Um, me and Malik both had pretty bad weeks. His was less bad than mine. He went 1-5 in the best bets. I went 0-5. And, and Ant went 4-1, and one, so he caught up a little bit. But I am still in the lead. I'm at 62%. Ant's at 55%. And Malik's at 53 So everybody who's been listening all season long, who are still very much up, 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 you've been paying attention to us. We're going to get into this yep. first game. Panthers at the Saints. Panthers are getting six points. It's going to be in New Orleans. Over-under is a very, very high 38-and-a-half points. Malik, you watched the Saints play last week. Who do you got? I did watch the Saints play last week. I was in the building when they played my Lions. Um, it was an interesting game, to say the least. They you know, found themselves down 21 very early uh, in the first quarter um, with some mistakes on offense that gave Lions and short fields, um, but they found a way to come back. Um, they found a way to, to kind of claw their way back into the game. Part of it was the Lions giving away um, a lot of opportunities that maybe they shouldn't have. But the Saints showed some resolve. Um, they they mixed things up a little bit with Taysom Hill, um, and Derek Carr finally got things rolling a little bit. Um, I think it's. I think it was hilarious. Just, just, just as a note, I think it was absolutely hilarious. Um, when you're sitting in the stadium and you know how Taysom Hill and Carr switch in and out for each other. Um, so as yeah. Carr was coming out of the game and Taysom Hill was coming in, the fans were like, yay! And then that's, and then when Taysom Hill would run one play and then run back out and they would boo when Carr was coming back in, it was hilarious. Um, and they, somebody even told me like this. That's like the first time it had happened in that vociferously, like that people just really don't like Derek Carr, or they just love Taysom Hill. Um, so that said, Carolina is still not a team that I want to give any points to at this point. I'm sorry that I, that I want to take with points. Um, six points is still a bit a bit bit high for me. Uh, I know Carr. It sounds like Carr is going to give it a go. Um, I don't necessarily know why, because he did get his ass kicked yes, last week. Uh, yeah. and he had a concussion and his shoulder injury and so on and so forth. But I'm going to still lean New Orleans way. It's not a best bet for me. I'll lean to them to, to cover the six points and win something like 24-17 or something like that. So I'll go Saints and the, uh, the under. I'm locking in the Saints because... After just seeing Bryce Young's arm in that game, where they were at third and two or fourth and two on his own 47-yard line and didn't even try to throw Hail Mary, it lets me know that they don't have much faith in that offense, even though Frank Reich is gone. And whoever's in charge and has the reins now doesn't trust this guy to get the ball down the field. And I don't even know if they have the receivers to do it, but they keep uh, counting on Mingo to do that. And the Saints aren't playing the Lions, and they will be able to keep the Panthers in front of them Panthers don't have much of a run game. I would take, uh, as a prop bet, I would take an anytime TD on um, Kamara. I think that's pretty much a lock. And I would expect their top wide receiver, I think Olave, if he's not hurt, I, I expect, I think he's expected to play this game. 
I would take the yeah, over yards, nice. which is like three and a half or something like that. So I would expect him to have a pretty good game. And Taysom Hill anytime TD is pretty much a guarantee in this one. So I would put that in too. That actually seems to be the best bet. Forget those other two props, but I would take Taysom Hill anytime TD, passing or throwing. I think the odds are a little low. But yeah, I'm a lock in the Saints on this one. They've been pretty good at home against sorry teams, and the Panthers are a sorry team. I mean, the Saints scored 28 points last week against the Lions, and the Carolina Panthers have not scored 28 points in a game that this season. So, <laughs> you know, that's take that for what it's worth. I mean, the Saints can score if they if everybody's healthy and you know, and they're 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 playing at, at their expected level, they can score. And the Panthers have still not shown the ability to score the football yet, right now. Even though they've switched out a whole bunch of things, I just think they're they're just a mess. And I, I'm, but I am just interested in seeing whether or not Bryce Young can can rebound next season. Yeah, yeah, he should be a little bit better than that. All right, next we're gonna be on the Lions and the Bears. I'm gonna go first on this one. The Bears are currently getting three and a half points on MGM. That's the line that we're using. I think it opened up at plus four and a half for the Bears. The Bears at home against the spread are only one two with two pushes. The Lions on the road are five and one. This game is going to be outside. It's going to be one of the colder games played, but no rain, not really any super windy weather. It's early early December in Chicago. Because it's that plus three and a half and the way the Lions defense has been going, the Bears are coming off their bye week. So they have an extra week of rest and an extra week of preparation. I think that's going to help everybody get even healthier. Um, they could win this game, but I find that I'm like, the Lions can literally, well, actually, they can't put the division away with this one. The fact that they get to 10 games before Green Bay can, and Green Bay is only at 6-6, six and six, it would make it damn near impossible for Green Bay to catch them. Green Bay would have to win out, and the Lions would have to lose two more games. And that seems unlikely. I really don't like to pick against my team, but... I think the Lions should beat them by more than four points. I expect the Lions to win this game by a touchdown. But I do expect this game to go over that 43 points. So that's going to be my bet for this one. It's over 43, but I'm going to take the Lions covering that three and a half. Yeah, I'm wow. You know what's funny? I'm leaving Chicago. Cover. I don't think we can cover them because I don't even know if everybody's going to be healthy. But unless there's injuries that I don't know about for the Lions linebacker, then that might give me more. I'm so, um, I'll be happy well, if I'm wrong. Though. I mean, well, yeah, sure. Uh, on the Lions side, um, Frank Ragnow, the center, uh, he hurt himself in that uh, in that game against. Uh, and he's and the only reason I'm actually in the center is because he's a Pro Bowler, All Pro level player, um, and he's probably the best player on the Lions' offensive line. He's he's going to be out for the game, um, and. They are, they are, they, they may be down one of their linebackers, but they're getting back another one. So, um, that, the linebacker room should be pretty healthy. Um, but the reason that I'm leaving the Bears, leaning the Bears here with three and a half is because the Lions have not shown an ability to hold down, um, running quarterbacks. And running quarterbacks have been problematic for the Lions over the course of the season. You know, quarterbacks that, not just quarterbacks that can run, quarterbacks that are mobile, I would say it that way. Um, and we know what Justin Fields can bring. We know what Justin Fields can bring on that side of the football, what he can do to a, um, to a defense. He can tire them out and he's going to be the, um, 
he's going to be their running game. The thing that, the, because the fact of the matter is, like, the Lions have been good against run, except against quarterbacks that run. So, I think this game stays really close. I think this game stays within a, within a score for the most part. Um, throughout, the, throughout most of the game. I would be surprised if the Lions and Jared Goff and that offense is able to get a two or three score lead in this game and like kind of, kind of coast it out. Um, I do think the David Montgomery factor is going to be, is going to be big. I mean, he's returning back to Chicago for the first time since he was, since he was a bear um, there. And so because the Lions are a team built for running the football and built for, you know, built, built, built for this, this type of play in this type of, this type of December weather, um, I do think that they should win the game. But I see this like, I see this being a field goal game. I see this being a game that's, you know, maybe, like to your point, like maybe 28-25, 28-26, something like that, where it's coming down to the wire and these two teams, you know, are, are really fighting. I think the Bears defensive stuff has played, played, you know, a little bit better over the course, course of the past few games. They're coming off of their bye, so, you know, there's things to play for. I would not be surprised to see the Lions, to see the Lions or the Bears jump out quickly and then just kind of slug it out for the last four, for the last three and a half quarters. So I like the hook here. I'm going to take Chicago. I'm not going to best bet it, but I'm going to take Chicago um, to cover the number, if not when it's not right. All right. You know what? The Bears, the Bears defensive line should be healthier. And I will say this. I like how Gervon Dexter is playing in the middle now. Um, Montez Sweat and Ngakwe have been getting much, much better as the season goes on. I don't think Ngakwe is going to come back next year. I don't know. But I do like, I, I will say this. For all Oldham Bears fans out there that are saying, we need to move on from fields. The main reason why they're saying that is just the fact that last year's last year of his rookie deal, three-way scale. And I don't want to pay the guy. But realistically, you draft Caleb Williams first overall, you're starting all over again. And that's not something I want to do. I think this team is moving in the right direction. I think they've locked up a real pass rusher with Montez uh, Sweat. And they're going to have to pay that corner, Jalen Johnson. My man is playing real well. So if he gets... Well, what? No, go ahead, go ahead. I'll just let you finish if, the my question. If he can keep Amon Ross St. Brown to under 100, I think the Bears have a shot. But it's Sam Laporta that really, I think, we're going to have issues with because we don't have any cover linebacker that can stick with him. So Eddie Jackson is going to have his work cut out for him. And that's where I really see the advantage of the Lions is Laporta working a little bit too. And what are you going to say? Um, no, I, I just wanted to, to kind of double down on the, que- the point that you were making about Justin Fields and, and rebuilding. If the expectation, based off of everything that we've been hearing, is that Matt Eberflus is no longer the head coach, and they bring in a new head coach, like say for instance um, Eric Bieniemy, right? Because we did hear about him him potentially being a, a, a you know a candidate for the job. Um, usually that goes hand in hand with the you know, a new coach, new quarterback, right? So, like, would you, would you be, not would you be surprised, but would you be expecting a quarterback change at that point? Because I also think that Justin Fields has some value as a trade target, um, even if he's not a, you know, he's not going to be the quarterback of the Bears. Like, he's definitely a trade target for a team that, you know, is quarterback starved that needs to, you know, that needs to infuse that that level of energy, that level of athleticism into the team. 
So what do you think about that? If, if they want to change the coach, do you think that's that more or less of a chance of them keeping and losing fields? I think, I think if they bring in a coach like the enemy, I don't imagine the enemy wants to start off with a brand new QB. And I think he'll be able to design an offense that will get the best on the field. But I, I, I will say this. They decided to get rid of Eberflus and because they win like three out of these last five games and end up winning, you know, they end up going seven and ten, which shows a huge improvement from last year considering they only won three games even though he was putting up numbers towards the end. It'll show them, like, we can build off this, but they get rid of the head coach, I imagine, because this GM didn't draft him. So if he brings in a new head coach, that head coach may want his own quarterback. So I imagine if they get rid of Eberflus, they're going to have a new Caleb Williams will be a bear. Now, a yeah. lot of Bears fans are saying, I want to trade down. We get Maserati Mars, and then now we got a we got an amazing offense because he's a generational talent wide receiver. He get open whenever he wants, and he's on that team. Man, him Fields and DJ Moore, that's a problem. And now we're, I'm not even, you know, we'd be completely lines for the division, and we'd be clearly at the Packers considering their, you know, receivers. Point blank period. Mm-hmm. Like, that's where I see it. I think you'd have a better receiver room than the Lions do. The Lions that are. Yeah, because you'd have two number one state. receivers. Yeah. And Jameson Williams, he is fast as hell, but he is not um, as good of a route runner as I thought. What he was doing in college was just like line up and run past him, which yeah. works. And you can do that in the pros. You've got to refine the route running a little bit, and he's healthy now, so. I think he'll get you yeah, I know we stayed on this game for a while. It's like the Lions receivers have tons have tons of potential, but they haven't produced yet. And I, I think that yeah, Marvin Harris. Because you know a lot about these teams. This is low key at NFC yeah. North and a um, AFC East podcast. So the teams we follow. NFC East That's not true. as much, but you know we know those two divisions real well. And the uh, AFC South. Next up, we got Ants Jets Texans at Jets. Jets are getting three and a half. Texans seven and five. They won another game. They're tied with the Colts for the AFC South. They're in the playoffs right now because of the Steelers' loss. I'm going to go real quick. I'm going to lock in the Texans to beat up on the Jets. Uh, minus that. I'll, I'll lay those three and a half. The over-under is 33. I guess they expect the Jets to hold this team down, and they're going to win 13-3, 13-6. But either way, I'm taking the Texans. Stroud's good for two heaves, and I think they're going to win. Yeah, we're 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 in lock there. Um, Houston, I'm gonna lock this. This is gonna be my first lock of the week. Um, we just had a conversation about uh the Jet struggles and their situation with uh with respect to the um the situation with Zach Wilson and the starting quarterback position and everything that's happening there. And you've got Aaron Rodgers talking and people reacting to that. And you know, there's just a lot of there's a lot of noise um around the Jets right now. And it's unfortunate because this was a team back in August that everybody said, you know, look out for, right? This is a team that people were, you know, penciling in um, for a long playoff run. Um, and so to see them at the point that they're at now, 4-8 and eight, um, and 4-8 against the spread, I'm sorry, 4-7 and seven against the spread, you know, this is not really not what they what they were expecting. So I, I think Houston I think Houston rolls here. I think the only thing that I'm, I'm a little concerned about is obviously Houston lost uh, Tank Dell. Um, who was their, he was their wide receiver one. I mean, if you want, if you want to be honest, like, I don't think they had, they had a wide receiver one that they really speak, really speak to, but if they did have one, it was Tank Dell. 
Um, so the fact that he got injured and is out for the remainder of the season, I'm sure that's going to have an impact on just kind of the way that they flow and maybe the offense plays out, plays it a little bit, uh, a little bit closer, um, than, than when you, maybe you expected. This line opened up at six. Um, and so, you know, it opened up much higher. So at three and a half, I think you're getting a pretty good deal to take the, to take the Texans here. So I would, yeah, I would take the Texans in the under, um, because of the concerns about what their offense is going to look like. But I think they can, they can definitely cover the three and a half one too. I think the Texans are well prepared. Will Anderson's making, he's making a lot of good plays for the Texans. The only thing that may be a factor to keep this game really low scoring is the fact that weather is going to be about 44 degrees and 100% chance of rain. So it's going to be raining from New England, who, well, they already play. So all day Sunday, it's going to rain from New England all the way down to Baltimore. So all those yeah. games are going to be affected by the weather. So that may be something, but I still expect Stroud to get a couple of passes off and make some plays. And yeah, I would be worried if I didn't think if I didn't think Stroud was a – Stroud's got a pretty strong arm. I think he can whip it in the, in the, in the wind. Well. Haven't played in Ohio in the Midwest. Like it's not like he's used to that weather. And I know Texas is, you know, exactly. Houston is a nice weather city, but uh, it does get colder there than it is, and kind of windy as well. Next up, well, we have Bengals. Houston, right? Yeah, they're indoors, right? Is it or Oh yeah, you're right. Reliance Stadium. Yeah, is indoors. they got the dome, so you got to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Colts at Bengals. Bengals are six and six. Jake Brown got him a win. The Colts are going to be without Jonathan Taylor again, who had thumb surgery. If he's lucky, he'll be back for them in the playoffs. They're 7-5. and five. This is essentially an elimination. Whoever wins this game is still in the hunt for the playoffs, and whoever loses this game is out of it. Whoever wins this, you know, Colts can either be 8-5 and five, or the Bengals can be 7-6. and six. The Bengals are minus 2. The over-under is 44.5. Uh, Malik, who do you got? So the Colts were an interesting one. They were interesting. Both of these teams were really interesting last week. Both of these teams were supposed to lose those games. The Titans were supposed to beat the Colts, and everybody expected the Jacks, the Jaguars to stomp the Bengals with uh, Mr. Jake Browning there. Uh, and so both of these teams were surprising winners last week. I'm sure they they you know messed up a whole bunch of uh, was it survivor pools or whatever those things called eliminator pools whatever mm-hmm. those things are called. They messed me up. I'm sure, they, yeah. I'm sure they messed up a lot of people on both sides of the. Both sides of the coin here, so it's really hard to tell what uh, what's going to happen here. I lean towards the Bengals um, primarily because they're at home and because I just still don't fully trust what I'm seeing from um, Mr. Minshew in terms of can he replicate this over and over and over again. So if you get this at one and a half or two, I like the Bengals. Anything over three or three and a half, I would take. The, I would take the Colts just because I feel like it's going to be a it's going to be a close game, um, potentially low scoring. But I think that the, the, the expectation is, you know, that Browning is not going to, you know, complete 32 of 37, <laughs> probably again, anytime soon. Indy's defense is 27th in points allowed, uh, at just over 24, 24 and a half points per game that they give up. So Indy's defense ain't great. And if Cincinnati's even, a step less than, than, than they were against Jacksonville. They're still, you know, they can still score 20, 20 plus points in this game. So I would take, I would take Cincinnati and I would play the over because I don't think either one of these defenses scares me at all. 
The only thing about that is Cincinnati has a better pass rush, so that's why I'm taking Cincinnati. I think they can win this game by a field goal. They were able to do it last week. I think they can do it again at home for the Colts, especially without uh, Taylor. That's going to be a huge, huge downside. They got a much better secondary than the Colts, in my opinion. They should be able to cover this Browning in terms of Taylor's play. So he wasn't outstanding, but he was good enough. Next yeah. up, we got another interesting one. AFC South leading Jacksonville Jaguars going to an AFC North. Cleveland Browns. Browns are minus three at home. This is one of the lowest over under this week, 33 and a half points. Malik, who do you got? Yeah, this is, I, it's surprising that this is as low as it is. Both of these teams are winning records. Like, both of these teams, if the playoffs started today, would be in, if I'm not mistaken. They'd both be, uh. You were 100% right on I that. Know. Yeah, I think the Browns will be a wild card. Jacksonville will be would win the division. Um, I think the interesting thing here is obviously Trevor Lawrence is not likely to play. Um, him being out, probably, and him being out, and the, and Jacksonville being on the road probably has has me leaning leaning a little bit towards Cleveland. But Cleveland's situation you know, being they're not in a great spot. When it comes to their offense right now, um, because they still have, they have a lot of questions around the quarterback position. Um, but Cleveland is, I'm sorry, uh, Jacksonville is without Trevor Lawrence and the backup CJ Beathard showed up on the injury report as well. So they may be down to their third string quarterback going against a Cleveland defense that's still one of the top, de- to the top groups in the entire NFL. So if that, that's the case, the place. yeah, yeah, exactly. So if that's the case, I, I I'm again leaning leaning towards Cleveland here. It's still a small enough number that I don't feel like it's it's just really out of the out of out of the realm of them winning this winning this one outright. Um a little worried about the fact that Amari Cooper may not play, he's in the concussion protocol. So uh take a look at that. Um but I think that the combination of Jerome Ford, um, Kareem Hunt, and whoever they get back there quarterback. Uh, should be more than enough to to take care of business and and you know, take care of the home field. So I'll take Cleveland and the under. I'm locking in Cleveland. Etienne's hurt. Their starting left tackle is battling a hamstring injury. Brenton uh, Walker Little. Fulurunso Batsukasi, their starting left defensive tackle, he is out. Tyson Campbell's hurt. Trey Herndon is Trey Herndon is hurt. Christian Braswell, their other corner is hurt. Andre Sisco, their free safety is hurt. Even their kick returner, Dearness Johnson, is hurt. He's the backup runner. So they got a lot of injuries in key positions. And Christian Kirk is also out. He will be out for the rest of the season, I believe, with a high ankle sprain. So you don't yep. get your starting quarterback. And you don't have one of your best wide receivers. So unless Calvin Ridley is going to destroy the Cleveland Browns by himself, and this team still has a really good pass rush, and they're playing in Cleveland and not in Jacksonville where the weather would be much better. I'm going to lay those three points, and I'm going to take the Browns, and I'm going to lock this one in. I think it's going to be easy. Next up, we've got the Rams at the Ravens. The Rams are 6-6. Six and six, The Ravens are 9-3. and three. They're coming off of a bye week. The Ravens are currently minus 7.5. They open up the week a little bit lower at minus like 6.5, I think, or minus 7. That extra hook makes sense because it's probably going to even out the betting on both sides. But um, I've been really high on the Ravens against bad teams. Well, they tend to play down to the level of their competition. With another week of rest, 
um, them to be able to work on their offense a little bit. I'm going to go first on this one, and I think the Ravens are going to beat them down on the Rams. I'm not locking it in, but I definitely expect this to be over. It's going to be a very rainy game. Um, once again, they're playing in Baltimore Outdoor Stadium. About 48 degrees, 45 degrees. It's a 130 game. Ran the entire time. I'm taking the Ravens. Much better run team, much better defense. Best defense in the league right now, and they're mostly healthy. So kind of counting on them to win this one. Kind of put the division, but who do you got? Um, I'm taking both. This is going to be my second lock of the week. I'm taking Baltimore in the over here. Um, I'm going to say something to you that's very shocking. That's going to be very, very shocking when you hear it if you didn't already know it, Ace. The Baltimore Ravens in Week 14 are the healthiest team in the NFL. That is a that is that is not normal for this team. Wow. Over the last few years, pretty much during the entirety of Lamar Jackson's tenure. Now, Lamar did uh, show up on the injury report on the I don't think he didn't practice on like Wednesday or Thursday because he was an illness. But it doesn't sound like that's anything you know serious. It sounds like he just needed needed the rest and uh, he'll be back. But if you look at this Baltimore lineup, like the the bye week could not have come at a better time for them. They they've gotten healthy. It's December. This is the time when they would normally kind of fade away or start to falter a little bit, and they're as strong as they've ever been. So I I think this was really you know strategic on their part because remember they they went they went over to uh, was it London I believe they played one of the London games they did yeah and they. And they elected to not take that take that week, you know, take the game, you know, the week after that Monday game of their bye week. And of course, that's when they came in bludgeoning my Lions. Um, but the fact that they did that, they extended their bye week out a week, and, and, you know, additionally, and got to the point where now they're extremely healthy. And a healthy Baltimore team, um, even though the Rams have been much better than advertised, and to me are, you know, a team that's going to challenge for the playoffs for a playoff position. I think they're six and six right now, so there's expectation that they're going to be challenging for the playoffs all the way through because the NFC is not nobody's gonna run away from them in the NFC. Um, with the exception of San Francisco probably. But this is not the game for them. Uh this is a West Coast team going across going to the East Coast. Stafford has a great arm and he can take care of business from that perspective. He can still throw throw the ball with all of them with anybody, but I, I don't, you know, I don't believe there's going to be much, much sledding for Kyron Williams in the running game. Um, I think Stafford's going to have to throw a bunch and throwing against the Baltimore Ravens defense and the pass rush that they can bring is not a good recipe for victory. So I'm going to take Baltimore, um, to, to, to win this one pretty handily. I think seven is a bit, I think seven, seven and a half. I think this game goes, I think they win by at least 10. So I'm going to take Baltimore and the over and I'm locking this one in. Closest uh, win Baltimore's had the entire season was when they were at Arizona right before Halloween and they won 31-24, and that was on the road. The fact that they're home, I think they got a really good shot to cover this. Every game they've had at home, they've won by at least 10 points or more. Actually, 14 points at home, so it kind of bodes well. Actually, I take that back. They lost one game in overtime to the Indianapolis Colts. That was a cold game, yep. In week three. So it was a long time ago, and this is a much, much different game. Battle for the NFC South. They should have a committee decide who gets in for this one. Bucks, Falcons. 
worst game to watch the week, but I guess if you're from Atlanta, you probably cheer for something like that. Falcons are minus two. Bucks are plus two. I like the Bucks on this one because I really do not believe in the Falcons. The Falcons are pretty good at home. They have actually covered more games at home than they haven't, which is kind of surprising to me. Actually, I take that back. Their record at home is 4 and 2. That's what it is. Their record at home is 4 and 2, but it's the reverse in terms of covering the spread. So they're 2 and 4 at home. The fact that they only need to win this game by a field goal, this game could go either way. But I'm taking Baker Mayfield, who seems to be more complete quarterback, is less prone to turnovers, and much better decision made running pressure. If the Falcons can even get him under pressure. Bad news is Tristan Wirfs is out. So their starting left tackle is out, one of their best offensive line players. But their starting center is healthy, and they still have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin finding ways to get the ball. As long as they can scheme up some defense and generate a turnover or two, I think the Buccaneers should be able to win this. I'm not locking this in, but I feel pretty strongly that the Bucs are going to take this one off. And Mike Evans is going to go over probably like 60 yards for this game as well, so that's a good problem. Over-under is 41. This game is super high or super low, but... I like the Bucks getting points on the road. Yeah, Malik. I um, I'm going the other way here. Um, as as confidently as you feel the Bucks have a bay, that's how I, that's how confident I feel about Atlanta in this situation. Uh, in a divisional game at home against Tampa Bay team that they should have beaten in that game uh, against them in you know in Florida uh, some weeks back. Now, if you remember that game, um. <clears throat> There were, I believe, three Desmond Ritter turnovers inside the red zone, inside the Tampa Bay red zone in that game, which basically, you know, destroyed them. So, you know, if he just doesn't turn the ball over, Atlanta probably wins that game. <laughs> like, um, and we know he's much better at home, just like most quarterbacks, he's much better at home than he is on the, on the road. Um, the Bucks have a lower than average defense against the pass, uh, and have allowed quarterbacks to throw for an average of 295 yards per game since their bye in week five. So they're, they're not really good against the pass. That doesn't mean that Desmond Ritter's going to light them up and throw for, throw, throw for 350 yards or anything like that. But I think that that means that at the very least, he'll be able to find his weapons in the passing game, and he still has a ton of very interesting weapons in Bijan Robinson and uh, Drake London and Kyle Pitts and, um, you know, and all those guys. So I think that he should be fine in terms of, you know, finding those guys and, and you know, putting putting the game out of reach for Tampa Bay. I still think, I mean, you mentioned um, Baker Mayfield getting better, and I don't disagree with that, but I still think he's a bit prone to to throwing interceptions. To me, this is almost a pick game. It can go either way. I'll take Atlanta just because they're at home, because I feel like they're, a little bit better on, you know, at, you know, at, at their own, on their own turf, um, than the Bucks are on the road. So I'll take, I'll take Atlanta. I'll go with the under here. Not locking this is the bet, best bet, but I think, uh, Young Way Koo, if you, if you can get a prop bet on Young Way Koo for over, you know, over one and a half field goals, take it. I think he's, I look, I think he's going to get at least three field goals here. I, I see at least you three Young Way Koo field goals. <laughs> Young Way Koo is going to be the difference here. I'm telling you. That's why they call it football, folks. You got to count on the kicker. I love it. <laughs> he is pretty money. I'm not going to lie. He is my fantasy kicker. Sadly, that's one of my best players from the line. I'm not going to make the playoffs in damn near any of my leagues. 
just too many injuries. Just too mm-hmm. many injuries. Too many across the board. Same here. I'm down bad. Anyways, Vikings six and six, Raiders five and seven. The Raiders are getting three points at home. The Vikings are minus three. I'm locking in the Raiders at home. They've been playing much, much stronger and much, much better. They are not coming off of a bye, but the Vikings are, so they have a little more rest. But the Raiders being a dome team and having a little bit of time to prepare, I think people understand how to – Justin Jefferson is coming back, but it's his yes. first game back. So, you know what? I'm switching that. I'm taking the Vikings. I think that's a much more solid uh, team to take. And I, I'm going to switch that just off of Justin Jefferson. In fact, they gave him an extra week to come back. I think the over looks pretty good too at 48 pounds. Him added to that team, I think they're going to win this game. They're going to be 76. Uh, another close loss for the Raiders. They're going to lose by the team. Is this still a lock for you? Because you had you were locking in the Raiders. This might, yeah, it's going to be my third lock on, on the Vikings. I forgot. Uh, Justin Jefferson was going your fourth. No, I had the Vikings. I you have the Vikings. You have the Browns, Saints, yeah. and Texans. So Browns, far. Saints, Texans. Yeah, I'm going to stick with that. Yeah, and I'm okay. going to lock this one in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I lean the other I lean this way as well. Um, Minnesota for you, Minnesota with you here. Uh, I'm still a little bit concerned about the Josh Dobbs situation. I don't think he's, you know, I think the, the, what is it? Like the, the shine is off the, off the, the car now, right? Like, the bloom is off the know. rose. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, you know, the mustard they, is they, off they, the they, there was conversations during like during that that week um, that week that they had off that potentially going to um, the backup quarterback. Um, I can't remember the guy's name, um, but you know that that didn't happen. They decided to stick with Dobbs for the remainder of the season, or at least for this week, to see what's going on there. I think it's going to be really difficult for him to have for him to get early season to early you know early chemistry with with uh Jay Jettis, um who's you know much less of a just throw it up and I'll get it type of receiver, but much more of a like in rhythm, runs routes, you know. And so I feel like it's it might be might be take a couple of weeks for them to get on track, although obviously Jefferson can absolutely fly and you know, he, he can take he can take one to the house pretty easily. Because um, of the bye week, I think he's actually been working out with the team for a while, so that's giving them a little bit more chance to get that back, which yeah, is why I switched my pick. That would be good too. Yeah, that would be good too. That's, 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 of course, that's, that's always a possibility. But of course, you, you know, playing, playing in, a, in games is much different from playing on practice. So, um, I think the Raiders are going to just run the football and try to keep this game close. And that's why I want to take them if they're getting points on this. I think they will run the ball. They will, um, you know, they'll just lean on Josh Jacobs and they're rushing, they're rushing attack. And in the, when they're on defense, they will do their best to keep everything in front of them and not allow the Vikings to get to, to get them deep. If Kirk Cousins was playing in this game and then I would, I would lay, I would lock in Minnesota all the way, but I like Vegas to keep the game close. I think this is like a one or two point win by Minnesota. So if I'm getting three, I'll take it. Give me Vegas and the, uh, and the under. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, Next up, we got the Seahawks at the 49ers. This is the biggest spread of the week and the second largest over under. Four o'clock game going down on the West Coast. Over 46 and a half is the over under. Seahawks are the biggest underdogs this week, plus 525 on the money line, plus 13 points currently. Six and six Seahawks put up a lot of points, but uh, 
failed to beat the Cowboys last Thursday. The Niners are nine and three. Just beat the beat them down on Philly. I don't know if that took a lot out of them, but shockingly at home, San Francisco's only been three and two against the spread on the road. Seattle's been four and two. Overall this season, Seattle has actually covered more games than San Francisco has. They covered last week against a much better team than everybody thought defensively. San Francisco has really good linebackers. Um, I'm talking a lot about this game so far, but I'm going to have to take the Seahawks. This is just too many points. I think they can keep it within 10 points. I see how they will be able to win. I see how they'll be able to keep it close. This is straight up a route. These teams over the past 15 years have really grown to not like each other. The Seahawks was going to do some bold on the Niners was going. The Seahawks got it up in, in the big game. The Niners have lost twice. Uh, DK Metcalf is a beast, and Geno's been able to find new ways to get on the ball. And Kenneth Walker the third's coming back. So I think the Seahawks have a lot going in their favor. And the Niners just came up with a very tough, tough, tough game. Not saying they'll definitely be a close one, but it'll be closer than most people. So I'm going to take the Seahawks. Yeah. In a uh, not normal, uh, not normal thing for me, I'm locking in the Niners here. Remember, these two teams played two weeks ago. They played on on, they uh, on Thanksgiving, they did. and San Francisco beat Seattle at home, thirty-one thirteen. Yes. Um, it was an as an eighteen point victory at home. Yes. Uh, in in Seattle, this is to me trending like. San Francisco, I could definitely see Seattle playing well enough to cover this number, and they played well enough to cover the number against uh, against a good Dallas team last week. Uh, even though they didn't win, they they had an opportunity to win that game. But Dallas isn't San Francisco. Ain't Dallas. San Francisco's not going to let you. Um, we saw this against Philly. When you give them, if you make any mistakes against this team, they will capitalize and they will score points on you. Um, Brock Purdy is. You know, I'm, I was starting to hear the conversation about MVP candidacy, which I don't know how, how, how honestly true that might be. I mean, you know, he's been really good when he's been out there. He's still like, I think, I think, what there's still that whole myth about this team that it's not myth. It's actually, it's actually a factual number that when Purdy, when the combination of Purdy, Debo, McCaffrey, and Trent Williams are all on the field together, they haven't lost a game yet. Um, like when they all play and finish a game, they have not lost a game yet. So if you believe that that's going to happen, then you probably believe San Francisco is going to win this game. They're the best team in the NFL. Um, and Seattle is game. Seattle will be up there. They will, they will, they will, you know, do their best to try their hardest to get, to get a, get a victory. And I think that they can keep it. I think they can keep it within two scores, but I think those two scores will be touchdowns. So I'm going to go ahead and take San Francisco in the over and I'm going to lock this in because you know, why the hell not, right? So I'm going to lock this as a, as, a, as a best bet for me. This will probably be the game that I watch um, between this one and uh, and Casey Buffalo, which we haven't yet discussed. But um, this will probably be one of the games I'll be checking in on the 4 o'clock hour just to see what's going on there. So, yeah, San Francisco and the over, and this is my third o'clock week. I think Casey Buffalo is probably going to be the game of the week. But Seattle 49ers, they got their, um, they got their primetime slot on Thanksgiving. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do feel good that I live in New England because that is not going to be a game on probably this morning, so I'll probably do two games at two games at the four o'clock hour on three. Mm. CBS at five. So I'm hoping it'll be that one instead of the Broncos and the Chargers. 
keep showing up on the Broncos games here. It's not because of something. Nice. No, it's not nice. I don't want to see the Broncos. I'm not a big Broncos fan, but it is nice to see Russ be better. Bills, Chiefs. Bills getting one over under is 40 and a half, largest over under the week. Neither of these teams are favorites on the money line, which is kind of wild. Bills are six and six. Chiefs are eight and four. Bills got a win last week. Um, a lot of stories coming out. They talked about Sean McDermott's motivation tactics, and he's really in charge. I think he threw Ken Dorsey under the bus, and if his team doesn't make it to the playoffs and make it to the AFC or even the Super Bowl, he will be out on the street. So he's coaching for his life. Chiefs look kind of weak. Their defensive line has been a lot of push. I don't know what's going on with the Bills' offensive line in their run game, but Chiefs can run the ball well with Isaiah Pacheco. I think they can win this game. There's been a lot of drops from their receivers, but I'm leaning Chiefs as they're at home, and the Bills always find a way to lose. You know, uh, the game will go to overtime, and the Bills beat them, and the Chiefs will beat them in overtime. That is what I'm counting on. So, go Chiefs. Sorry, Bills. It is what it is. Yeah, I'm leaving. Yeah, I'm with you here. This is lock number four for me, Chiefs uh, and and the under here, uh, especially because this number is so low. Um, there's a lot of talk about. I think a lot of the talk about the. I didn't wasn't able to watch. I was actually driving home from the the Saints game, uh, the Saints and Lions game last last Sunday, and I was listening to the KC uh, the KC Green Bay game on the radio. Um, like you no, know, like people still listen to football on the radio. It's great. Um, but then I came home and I watched the game, uh, all the way through. And truth be told, if not for that MBS, um, that MBS, uh, pass interference, that game might have, the game might have ended different. The game might have ended different if that pass interference was called. Um, not to say that the Chiefs deserve to win the game, but they definitely could have won that game. They got robbed. It's a different situation. So, um, I think that the, the conversation or the talks about KC potentially like, you know, just not being as good a team as they were, as they were, although it's true. I mean, they're still trying to figure things out offensively, but that defense is as good as it's ever been, uh, for the Chiefs and is still, um, you know, managing things in a way that allows Patrick Mahomes and the rest of the guys on offense to just figure things out. And when you're talking about Patrick Mahomes trying to figure things out and you're only, you're only laying a point or two points in some books, that's a number I'm, I'm more than comfortable with. So I'm locking in KC here to um, to win this game outright at home, cover the number, and and, and trust me, if KC starts, if KC wins this game, and as I expect, things are going to start looking really interesting in Buffalo um, because Sean McDermott may need more than uh, 9/11 references to keep his job. He may need to start referencing some other uh, cataclysmic events. Maybe he start talking about Oppenheimer. So he can keep his job. He's gonna have to start channeling somebody, uh somebody much more uh you know, much more traumatic, some much more traumatic experiences to keep his job. So we'll see. But yeah, KC in the over and I'm locking this one in. All right. Next up we got the Broncos and the Chargers. The last of the four thirty games. Broncos are six and six, that the Chargers were five and seven. Chargers barely got a terrible win over New England last week. 6-0 game. Over under for this game is 44. Broncos again, two and a half points. I am going to take the Broncos. I think they're the better team. They keep finding ways to win. The fact they're 6-6. Six and, six. and still, you know, still got a good shot at actually, you know, making the playoffs. Um, they're chasing down the Chiefs. 
ever so slowly, but I do not think they will catch them. They have a chance of passing. Uh, would win this week. They can pass the Steelers. Texans are probably going to win, and the Bengals probably going to win, so they need to keep pace with them. So that last wild card spot, they're going to sneak in and come get the seventh spot. So you can see where I'm leaning with this one. So I'm taking the Broncos. I think their defense is playing much, much better. Patrick St. Chan Jr. is hurt. I don't know if he's going to play. The Chargers' pass defense is terrible. So I'm counting on that to get Russell Wilson cooking. Give me the Broncos. Yeah, move. And I, I did not like this, but I do just like the Broncos getting two and a half points. Yeah. I'm with you. I like the Broncos getting two and a half points as well. Um, I think it's, it's, it's safe to say, like, we gotta remember, the Chargers scored six points against the two and ten at the time, two and nine New England Patriots. They were only able to score six points against them. And before you start to talk about the fact that the Patriots defense is, 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 you know, is pretty good and, you know, um, that you're not surprised. The thing that surprises me the most about the Chargers, most importantly, you look at the statistics from that game is they can't run the football. Their, their offense is pretty much Justin Herbert drops back and throws the ball to Keenan Allen. Which is and that's it. <laughs> if it doesn't, if that doesn't work, they can't score. Um, and that's basically what New England did. They took they took away Keenan Allen, uh, and they took away all of his, uh, you know, a lot of his production, and the Chargers couldn't do anything with it. I think that Patrick Sertan, the second, can be a pest to Keenan Allen and can make a lot of things very difficult for that offense. So, if Justin Herbert and the offense is not going to lean on their star running back um, to help them. To help you know to help win, win these football games. I don't see a reason why Denver can't stay right stay stay right with them and potentially win this game outright. I like Denver on the money line here. Um, I think what are they? They're plus one twenty on the money line, so you can actually get plus money here on the one on the money line if you if you go to Denver. I think Denver can win this game outright and to your point, push themselves above teams like Pittsburgh and uh, Buffalo. In the playoff chase, um, so I'm going to pick Denver here as well. I'm not going to lock it in because they are on the road. It's completely possible that you know that loss that they had last week against um, what they lose to uh, Houston um, might have you know derailed things a little bit for them. But I think that you know Sean Payton, Russell Wilson this is a veteran team that that knows you know what what's at stake here and and, and knows that they need to get it done and will get it done. Um, you know in 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 LA against a team that's, in my opinion, really, uh, in the last few weeks of Brandon Staley's uh, tenure there as a head coach. So I'm going to take Denver and under. I like that. I like that pick. Next up, we got the Eagles at the Cowboys, Sunday Night Football. The Eagles keep getting all these primetime games. They are 10 and 2. They're going to Cowboys Stadium in Frisco, Texas. Cowboys are 9 and 3 with this win. The Cowboys would be leading the division and also the NFC. Cowboys are minus three and a half at home. Over under is 52. I'm apt to take the under. Um, I do not see the Eagles or the Cowboys being able to run very well on each other, which I think is going to make a very much passing game. I know that Jalen Hurts is actually hurt. I expect A.J. Brown to have a real big bounce back game because I don't think there's really anybody the Cowboys can cover him one-on-one if they play terrible some of the Eagles are getting three and a half points. I'm locking in the Eagles. It's my last lock. You give me three and a half with the Eagles versus the Cowboys and the way the Eagles put on the Cowboys earlier this year. 
I'm kind of shocked that they're getting the points. It feels a bit disrespectful and kind of an overreaction to what happened. And I'm just, I'm just kind of shocked by that. The Eagles are four, one and one on the road. And you're giving me points against the Cowboys. I mean, I get they played them, you know, a long time ago. Well, not that long ago. They played them about five weeks ago. And they yeah, beat them, they beat them 28, 23 at home, right? And they were minus three then. So I expect more of the same. Maybe they'll get 31, 31, 24, but I expect them to win by a touchdown. And you're already giving me three and a half. So I'm definitely going to take jump on the Eagles, jump on the curve before that spread goes down. Yeah, and you said you're locking this, right? This is your last lock? This is my fifth lock of the week. Okay. I'm going the other way, but I'm not going to lock this. Um, I watched that Eagles game, and I saw a team that just looked gassed. They looked tired. They And they won a fair number of these games. Like, they, so, like, the... Remember, there was this, like, gauntlet of games that they had to go through. Everybody was looking at, was circling for them. Um... After their Washington game, they had, they had Miami, then they had Washington, you know, in Washington, which, you know, actually wound up being a pretty, uh, a pretty, you know, well played game for, for both sides. Um, and they wound up getting a push in that, even though they were seven point favorites. Um, then they had Dallas, which you mentioned, they had KC and then Buffalo. And all of those games were, ended up being within one score. Um, you know, Dallas was within five, like you said. KC, they won by four in KC. Buffalo, they won by three. That game was in, I believe that was the overtime game when, uh, when Hurts scored the, scored the rushing touchdown in overtime to end that one. And like, it seemed like they were just trying to figure out ways to win, or they were figuring out ways to win every week. And they were winning these close games, like by the skin of their teeth. And then San Francisco came in and bludgeoned them. And San Francisco, I don't think San Francisco was, 30 points better than the Eagles. I think they got an Eagles team that was tired, that has been through the ringer, that has played a ton of games in the last uh, few weeks, and a ton of very, very difficult games against very, very difficult opponents. And that's probably where, and that's Dallas catching them. This is, excuse me, and this is Dallas catching them at the right time. Um, so I'm going to lean Cowboys here. I think the Cowboys, the Cowboys have won, what, four straight? They haven't lost since that Eagles loss. That's they beat the Giants, Carolina, Washington, Seattle. So they haven't like they haven't lost a game since then. So they're gonna be looking for some payback here. And but they also haven't played anybody with this good of offense and defense on the same score. No, they haven't. No, they doubt they definitely haven't. Um there's still concerns over Jalen Hurts' knee and whether or not he's healthy enough to be out there. He should be still be still be out there. We know that uh Dallas has a pretty good defense and they can get after the quarterback with Michael Parsons and um Lawrence and the, and the rest of those guys. So I think Dallas, you know, plays it plays things pretty pretty well in this one and figures out a way to win by I'd say six points. So I'm gonna lay I'm gonna lay the lay the three and a half and I'll I'll pick Dallas, but I won't best bet it just because we know, as you mentioned, we know that it's a rivalry game and Philly could absolutely find a way to win as they had been doing over the course of the season. So I'll take the three. I'll give the three and a half though here. All right. Sunday night, oh, Monday night football, we got a doubleheader. Keep forgetting about that. Both games are going to be on, well, actually, one game is going to be on ABC. It's weird that they're playing these both in the Eastern time zone. I figured they would have liked the game that yeah. on the West Coast. But Packers at Giants. The Giants are getting six and a half points. The over-under is 37. The Giants are huge money line favorites at home. 
Um, once again, the weather is not going to be too rainy, but, you know, turf fields, turf monsters is going to be uh, taking some people down. The Packers have been playing much better. I don't know if Tom DeVito is going to start. Supposedly, they're going to be back with, um, not TJ Walker, good Lord, Tyrod Taylor. Sorry Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor. You are not PJ Walker. Um, Tyrod Taylor is supposed to be back under center, and he's a really good quarterback. And I think if he can get some something going with Jalen Hyatt, or maybe they'll stick with Tommy DeVito. I'm not so sure. But this team has been playing better as of late. They got a pretty good defensive line. Packers are still without Aaron Jones. They have a lack of a run game. So it's going to make them pretty easy to scheme against. And maybe Matt McClure will be able to scheme something up. But I don't see an advantage the Packers have in terms of skill talent. Jordan Love is playing better, but he's still not playing great. And the Giants against six and a half at home. I'm, I'm leaning towards the Giants. I'm not being a homer, even though I'm from New York. They are in Jersey. They're not even at 500 yet, but I think the Giants will pull up the win, but I really expect them to pull up the top. Um, you know, they're probably looking for a high draft pick, so they get a QB, but who knows? Four and eight, I think the Giants cover here. That should be a good one. So, with the exception of the one game against Washington that they won uh, now what, three weeks ago, uh, where they beat Washington 31-19 in Washington, Tommy DeVito had that big game, the Giants have scored 10, 17, 6, 13, 7, 9, 16, 3, 12. The last time they the last time they scored over twenty eight points, with the exception of the Washington game, was week three or week two. No, week two at Arizona. That was it. This team is still challenged offensively. Um and that game against uh Washington did not uh did not show and show me anything uh to prove that they have figured their way out because the next game they played against New England um, on that Sunday after Thanksgiving, they won 10-7. Um, so they scored 10 points there. So the team is still offensively challenged. Um, and so I'm going to get the, give the Packers here and I'm going to lay the six and I'm going to lock this in as my final lock of the week. Um, you're right. Jordan Love has played much better than, you know, people have expected him to. And I think that that's why he's getting a little bit more credit than maybe he's, he's earned up to this point. But he's playing with poise. He's playing like he knows, um, you know, what he's supposed to be doing out there. And he's a little bit, he's gotten some sync a little bit more with these, um, with these receivers. Um, and so I expect them to be able to, I expect him to be able to continue to move the offense and, and, and make some plays, um, and, and get into the end zone. And if you get into the end zone against the Giants, they have problems matching you point for point. Uh, not to say that Green Bay's defense is any world beaters here or is, you know, looking like they're going to be, um, you know, going to be able to keep, keep the Packers down or anything like anything along those lines. But I think the Packers will be able to score. I think the Packers should be able to score some points. And I still haven't seen what the Giants have been able to do as far as scoring points, especially without Darren Waller. I think that the Packers just sell out on Saquon Barkley, put Tyron Taylor and or the, uh, Tommy DeVito into into third and long situations and pin their ears back and go get the quarterback. So um, I still I expect Green Bay to win this game pretty handily. I'm a little surprised it's still on Monday night, um, maybe just because of the prestige of these two franchises. Um, but I'm gonna lay I'm gonna lay those six and a half. I'll take the Packers. It's my last lock of the week. All right, 
taking on tactics. Betting against your team being able to run away from you. I don't get it, but I hear you. Next up, final game of the week. We got the Titans 4 and 8 at the Dolphins. The Dolphins usually beat the hell out of teams that they are much, much better than. Equal to the other spread, minus 13, the over under is 46. I had another lock. I throw it on the Dolphins. I expect them to beat the hell out of the Titans. They're playing against a rookie quarterback. They're going to be at home. It's going to be warm. Tyreek Hill is probably going to have 200 yards. And I'm putting some money on him to win the MVP right now. I believe he is plus 450 still or plus 500. Because they're starting to lean towards Brock Purdy. And Brock Purdy can, uh, they, they can get the number one seed. I think Brock Purdy will actually get. Get that, even though they're kind of taking credit away from McCaffrey, who I think is a better player on that team and more important to that team than Purdy is, as they've shown those three losses. Or even um, Debo, or as I said last week, Debo's the most important with Trent Williams, but Purdy, I think, is fourth on the list. He's barely ahead of Kittle right now. But, talking about the Dolphins Titans. I mean, the Dolphins, they should beat the hell out of the Titans and make a series one. Derrick Henry had to leave the game last week, which is why they lost. And he can't come and come in here and perform at a high level. I don't know if they're going to be doing much. And the Dolphins got JPP as a pass rusher. We're going to recap the Titans. Yeah, yeah we're, we're, we're in sync here. Um, Tennessee is not a great team. And if they don't have their best player, they're not even a good team. Um, they're four and eight. Maybe they found their quarterback of the future in Will Levis. Maybe he's going to be able to, you know, help to steward this, this franchise back into positive, positive game, you know, positive games or positive seasons moving forward. And this will just be a blip on the radar for a Tennessee team that's been relatively successful over the course of the last few years, uh, leading on, you know, their, their running game and Tannehill and the receivers that they've had. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if Tennessee is back. In a year or two, especially if Levis is, you know, is the guy that you know, they expect him to be. Um, but right now, they're not a good team. Uh, and the Dolphins are. And the Dolphins are at home. And the Dolphins are playing, playing against a teams with, with non, non-winning records. I mean, remember, the Dolphins haven't beaten a team with a winning record yet. But they're 9-0 against teams with losing records. <laughs> so they, they don't necessarily have a problem. When they go up against a team that doesn't have a winning record, that isn't one of the top, you know, two or three teams in the NFL, um, I expect Mike McDonald to go crazy against this team um, with all of the different uh, schemes and you know different you know uh, passing runs, passing routes they can do with two is just throwing the ball, chucking the ball all over the field. I'm a little, I'm, I am deathly afraid of Devon uh, HN because uh, I'm playing against him in fantasy football this week. I think he can he can come out there and have a huge game against this team. Um, so I'm just really scared of that, you know, blowing away my entire fantasy season. Um, but yeah, I don't see this. I don't see this. I don't see a, a situation where you know Miami doesn't win this by at least two touchdowns, at least if not if not more. You think they um, can put up 50 plus points? I think they could. I don't think they will. I think I think this goes. I I, I think this goes. You know, thirty-eight, thirteen. You know, okay. I think a, a easy twenty-five point victory is probably more well on lines. I mean, they they scored forty-five against Washington in Washington last week. So yeah. not to say that this is completely possible for them to do it. Um, 
but I think I think well, one thing I definitely believe is that Tennessee and Mike Rabel is going to try to run the football and keep the game close, keep the ball out of their hands, keep the ball out of Miami's hands. They just won't be able to stop them when they do get the ball. Um, that's the other that's that's the piece I'm I'm more concerned with. So I, I take the Dolphins here. I'm actually considering flipping my flipping my best bet from the Packers to the Dolphins just because of how how, how strongly I feel about the Dolphins, but I think I I think I'll, I'll hold and I'll just keep the Dolphins on the money line. Uh, on a on a money line parlay because I know okay. they're going to win this game. I just don't know by how much. Gotcha. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Um, we're going to our shout outs. I'm going to go first. I'm going to say shout out to. Uh, Michael Penix for winning the Maxwell Award, which is the best QB in the college football. They should have been the number one seed. They kind of got screwed, and very few people are talking about that. Um, I'm hearing a lot of rumors on Twitter, so who knows how legit that is, and on IG and threads, that Florida State uh, canceled their press conference against Georgia this week. Ahead of the uh, the coaches canceled it. It sounds like they're not trying to do any press to promote the uh, New York Six Bowl that they're going to. They feel very upset. Their quarterback, Jordan Travis, actually apologized for not getting hurt sooner in the year so that this they could see how good this team was without him, which is kind of a crazy thing to say. Um, I think they should be in the college football playoff, but, you know, they chose Alabama because they wanted to make more money. We talked about this on the recap on Tuesday. Uh, if you were listening to that, which I know a lot of y'all are, College football fans out there. Um, college football invitation. And there's no real good way to pick a winner. But um, if you're going to have these guys play these extra games, you might as well put the team in that deserves it the most. And the defense is really good. And there's a lot of blowouts in these games anyway. So I genuinely hope Alabama gets blown out by Michigan. That seems unlikely due to Michigan's you know, offense and how explosive they kind of are not. And the way Alabama's team is and how good of a coach Nick Saban. I you haven't really seen them getting blown out in any game, even though they lost to Texas by ten points at home. I hope uh it ends up being Washington and Michigan in the title game. That would kinda shock everybody with a future all Big Ten uh championship game. And Caleb Williams, it's smart that you're sitting out this bowl game. You've done as much as you can for that team unless you're gonna come back. I really don't see why you would, but you have that option if you don't want to go to the NFL to a sorry team. Um, I hope the Bears don't draft you. I hope they trade that pick and go somewhere else. We can see. And shout out to all the FCS teams that are still going. Montana, the Big Sky is still in it. They're leading right now over Furman. 13 minutes to go for all of you uh, generous like me who are watching on the second screen on ESPN2. And, you know, I am out. I'll have more shout outs next week. And shout out to LeBron. I hope you get that first title in the in-season NBA Cup. And that's one thing you'll have that Michael Jordan will never have. Emily. Thank you, Ace. And um, I know you gave the shout out to Michael Pettix, uh Jr., who who won the uh, who won the Maxwell Award. Um, I'm gonna go on the other side of that and give a shout out to LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels, who won the AP Player of the Year Award. Uh, so these two, as we already know, these two, along with I'm not mistaken, um, Marvin Harrison Jr. are the finalists for the Heisman Trophy, which will be given out, I believe, tomorrow, Saturday, um, is when that, when that, when that'll be announced. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Um, uh, but uh, clearly these two have had the best overall seasons, um, in college football, uh, and have been 
extremely phenomenal as quarterbacks, uh, playing, playing quarterbacks for their teams. Uh, and I won't say they came out of nowhere because I think, you know, we all kind of expected, I know I definitely expected Jaden Daniels, uh, Jaden Daniels to play, um, to, to, to play well this season. And Penix has been good in, throughout his career. Maybe not this good, but he's definitely been good throughout his career. Um, but in a season where everybody was talking about Caleb Williams and Drake May and Quinn Ewers and, um, all these other guys, it's good to see that you know these two guys have been you know playing playing spectacular ball uh, for their teams and Penix. You're right, you know there's, there was Washington definitely had a case for getting the um, for getting the number one seed, uh, especially after Georgia lost. Um, in fact, they didn't. They're number two, so you know we'll see we'll see what happens there. Um, shout out to my Yankees. Shout out to the New York Yankees. We don't really talk about baseball on this on this podcast really ever. Um, but shout out to them because while Major League Baseball was, you know, going through the, what has been so far a relatively slow offseason for them, um, and all the talk has been about Shohei Otani and where is he going to go and who's he going to, who's he going to wind up signing with, the Yankees went out and made a huge trade for Juan Soto, 25 years old, from the San Diego Padres. If you guys remember correctly, Juan Soto, was a huge uh, left-handed bat on the Washington Nationals team that won the World Series a couple of years ago. Got traded to the Padres. Is he a good yeah. defensive player? He's not great. He's you know he's <laughs> solid. He's he's solid. You know he's he's like Manny Ramirez defensively. You know like Manny Ramirez is going to make all the routine plays, but you're not expecting him to do a whole bunch other than that. Um, his war his his uh. His efficiency out there does come into question. This is why a lot of people believe that, you know, his long-term um, viability is as a designated hitter. But at 25 years old, I don't see a reason why he's going to be out there anytime soon playing DH. So, um, but the bottom line is, uh, this is Brian Cashman and um, the Yankees making up for lost times when they could have had Bryce Harper, who desperately wanted to be a Yankee. And did not, they did not sign him and he wanted to go into Philly and lighting it up over there. They went out and got a bat, uh, a left-handed bat for Yankee Stadium, um, to squeeze in between, you know, uh, Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton, uh, to hopefully make a, you know, a formidable trio in the middle of that lineup, uh, that the Yankees sorely need. So expect a lot out of him. I expect a lot out of him as a hitter. I expect him to play, you know, pretty well in the field. But, um, yeah, I think that was, it was just huge to see them do that, uh, during a time again when, you know, the world is just watching to see what Shohei Otani's going to do. The Yankees have pretty much pulled themselves out of the running for that because the other thing about, um, uh, Soto is he's a free agent next year. So they're going to have to figure out a way to pay him and keep him on the team. If you're going to trade for him, you might as well keep him. Um, next. Shout out to, as I mentioned earlier, we were talking about the, the, uh, the NCAA tournament. Shout out to Mr. Tyrese Halliburton. Um, I caught a lot of flack from a lot of people, uh, especially in our, in our, you know, larger Facebook group. Shout out to the dog pound group out there. Uh, if anyway, any of you guys have listened to the show, um, I caught a lot of flack from some of you guys when I, when I said that the Indiana Pacers got the best of the trade, um, when they, when they traded for Tyrese Halliburton. And that I believed in my heart of hearts that Tyrese Halliburton was a better player than De'Aaron Fox. Um, I'm still on that. I'm still, I'm going to die on that hill. Um, 
and Tyrese Halliburton, but he is definitely showing that he is worthy of the conversation of being a potential All-NBA first-team uh, level player. Leading the league in assists, just went through two games against the Celtics and the Bucks, where he had, I think, if I'm not mistaken, 30-some-odd assists, zero turnovers. That is ridiculous in two games against those two teams. That is ridiculous. Doesn't happen very often, you know that. If, if, you, if you watch basketball, it's not happening very often where the point guard has the ball in his hands that often and does not record records that many assists without a turnover. It's absolutely insane. So shout out to him. He's doing his thing. The shot looks still looks ugly as hell. I don't know how the hell it goes in, but it does. And he's shooting 50-40, almost 50-40-90, um, which he did last year, and he's going to do it again this year. It's incredible. Um, Last but not least, I was gonna have I had one more shout out. I cannot remember what it was, so I'm gonna lay it out. I'm gonna finish it there. Um, but I am looking very much forward to um, college basketball coming back as well. Uh, shout out to that. Matter of fact, that's what I was saying. Shout out to college, men's and women's college basketball starting up and things starting to heat up. I'm enjoying that, so uh, definitely enjoy that. And uh, I'm out as well. Back to you, Ace. All right. Hope y'all enjoying listening. Shout out to everybody in Germany listening to us. Shout out to everybody in Texas, New York, all the other states, Pennsylvania. We out here. We'll see y'all later. Follow us on Podcast Addict, Spotify, Podbean. Please rate and review. Like and subscribe. All that good stuff. We'll find Peace.